Fantastic. Hey, if you've got your Bibles or you've got your phones, you can get them out and we're going to, uh, and we're going to, we're not going to pray, we've done that. We're going to read together and from Isaiah chapter 22, verses 20 to 22. And then I've got another quick verse that I want to give to you as well. It says this in Isaiah chapter 22, verses 20 to 22, reading from the NLT. It says, then when I call my servant Elakim, son of Helakai, to replace you, I will dress him in your royal robes and will give him your title and your authority. And he will be the father to the people of Jerusalem and Judea. And I will give him, listen, the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. And when he opens the door, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. Hold that thought. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go fast forward. You're good at the back. Have you just done that? Well, I've been, you are very good. Matthew, New Testament. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. NLT again. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And it reads like this. You are really good. And I will give you, listen, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. This was Jesus speaking. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You know, keys are amazing. Keys give you responsibility and they give you ownership of something. Keys actually help you unlock doors. Every single one of you, I would presume, in this room has a key to something or other. Maybe it's a door, most likely, or maybe it is a safe. Maybe it is is something else. I don't know, but people have keys to keep stuff safe. It gives, actually, keys bring freedom. They bring um, responsibility, they bring permission, and actually they bring what was what once locked, and it brings them to a place of openness. And here we have two particular scriptures, one in the Old Testament and one in the New, where the word about the keys and what they represent and what they can do is spoken about. King David, he said these words, he said it to Elakim, he said... I will give you the keys to the house. That's what we read. I will give you the keys to the house. The servant, listen to me now, became the master. Elakim, who was a servant, became the master. He was given the key by the king, King David, and said, you now have responsibility. Actually, though, it was out of a place of law. Go with me for a second. Then we come to the second scripture where Jesus is speaking and he says these words. He says, and I will give you the keys, not to a house, but to where? The kingdom. And what happens is, is that it actually becomes once again, servant becoming master, but it is no longer law, it's grace. 
And God brings us to a place of giving us keys to the kingdom of God, not to a house. And each, every single person in this room that has, been, has, has, has given their lives to Jesus actually has been given permission, authority, delegation to have keys to the kingdom of God. How amazing is that? It's no longer just about the king having the keys. It's about the servant having the keys, not through law, but under grace, underpinned through grace. And if you are a Christian here this morning, I believe that God wants you to know that there is something about keys that you can unlock, doors that you can open with practical, I believe, spiritual keys that God gives each one of us to be able to unlock something of the presence of God. Something of the purposes of God. And that's what I want to come on to this morning. So, for the few moments I have, I want to give you just kind of five things. Every good preacher has three things. Every really good preacher has five things, I think. (laughs) So I want to give you five things that I believe, five keys that I believe will unlock the kingdom of God, not only in your own lives, but in the church. Five keys that I believe will help you live a life that will actually take you from here and give you a, 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 give you a better perspective of what I believe each and every Christian can live in. Now, I don't stand here this morning as somebody who has got it all together. I don't stand here this morning as somebody who doesn't have problems. I don't stand here this morning who's, who, who, uh, who stands here as somebody who isn't going through stuff at the moment. Two minutes before I stood up, I got a text message on my phone. And uh, it was interesting that you prayed this morning for people that have got cancer. My mum at the moment, who is a godly lady who has loved the Lord Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. She's 69 years of age on, Friday, on Saturday, the same day as my dad. They were both born on the same day, but my dad is a year older. On Saturday, this next Saturday, my dad is 70 and my mum will be 69. And um, my mum at the moment has terminal cancer. She, she, you know, she's not really a, a very well lady. And I've just found out while we were sitting there that my mum has contracted COVID. So I need to pray for my mum. So the thing that is this is that I don't stand here this morning as somebody who thinks, hey, everything's okay because there's stuff going down in my life at the moment. So I am preaching as much to myself about the keys that unlock the kingdom of God as I am to you this morning. The first thing is this, is that I believe that praise unlocks the presence of God. Praise unlocks the presence of God. You see, praise doesn't just happen. Praise has to be received. Let me say that again. Praise doesn't just happen. There is something intentional about praise. I, even if I give myself praise, it is something that I have to receive. And I want to say this from the very outset, that I believe that a key to unlocking the kingdom of God in each one of our lives is understanding that, pra- that, that our praise unlocks the presence of God. I believe that when our praise goes up, heaven comes down. 
that there is something about when a group of people come together in a room like this, Christians from all walks of life, some of us in this room will have more money than others in our bank accounts, some of us will live in bigger houses than others, some of us will have more influence in our jobs than others, but what connects us in this room is not what is happening in the, uh, in the mortal of just going in and around our world, what connects us is the spiritual, that if you are a Christian here this morning, that when our prayer Praise comes together, the Bible says, as your praise comes in, that he will come down. That he will draw all men unto himself. That as we draw close to God, that he will draw close to us. There is something about when we begin to praise and worship God, that it unlocks the presence of God. That God, the Bible says, that God inhabits what? The praises of his people. There is something about the praise when we give our praise to God that something happens. In Psalm, let's see how good she is. In Psalm 22, verse 3, in the amplified version, it says, it says these words. It says, but, Psalm 22, verse 3, amplified version. I'm, I'm, I'm slowing down for you. It says, but you are, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, lost it now, lost it now. Uh, but you are holy. Oh, you who are enthroned in what? In the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. There is something about our praise and worship that when we give praise to the enthroned one in the holy place, where is the holy place at the moment? Where, where we are. Where two or three are gathered, I will be there. This is a holy place. It says that you will come down. You are enthroned where the praises of Israel are offered. There is something about our praise and worship that is a key that we put in the door of praise. We turn it, it unlocks what? The presence of God. So for each one of us in our lives, practically, you know, I believe that one of the best ways that we can rise above the situations and circumstances in our lives is when we begin to praise God. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when we look at the report of my mom and it says it's terminal, well, I'm still going to give you praise. Even when I get a text that says no, she's got COVID, I'm still going to give him praise. Why? Because praise unlocks the presence of God. So if you're feeling down, if stuff is going down in your world right now, if you've got stuff going on in your life, I would suggest to you that one of the best ways that you can, the situation might not change, but your, your outlook and the way that your countenance and the way that maybe you look at that situation will because of the praise and worship that you give. Because as you give praise and worship, presence, his presence comes down. The second thing is this, is that not only does praise unlock the presence of God, the second thing is prayer <laughs> unlocks the power of God. Prayer unlocks the power of God. Luke 22, verses 41 to 43, in the NLT version. Prayer sees change. I don't care what anybody says. There is too much, hear me right when I say this, of a coincidence of when people begin to pray that stuff begins to change. It's not a coincidence. You know what? 
is that too many Christians, they only go to God, I'm working on a message at the moment, right? I'm working on a message, I'm going to show it to you, because I, 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 I was doing this on the plane coming home last night, I was thinking, and the guy that I was traveling with, he, we, we had to, uh, we went over because we did a, a, a video, you know, to kind of present to the church today, because half the church didn't even know I've been away. So when they see the video this morning, they're going to see that me and Will have been over to, to we, we, went to, we went to Lithuania. So he was busy kind of editing this video. And I was sitting there, I was thinking, oh, I watched a bit of Netflix, then I got a bit bored. So I thought, Do you know what, I'll just sit here and I started to read my Bible and then God spoke to me. And there's, you know, have you ever heard of the saying, desperate times call for desperate measures? Have you, have you heard that phrase? I'm working on a message at the moment. Desperate times don't call for desperate measures. Desperate times don't call for desperate measures because half the time we only ever go to God when we really, really need him. But actually, if we live from a place of really, really needing him, in desperate times, they don't necessarily call for desperate measures. Anyway, it's, it's, it, it, it's something I'm working on. Maybe if I come back again, if I get, ever get invited back, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 pr- I'll preach that one. Prayer unlocks the power of God. God's power is released, not necessarily when we're on our feet, but when we're on our knees. There is something about when we get on our knees and begin to pray, that things begin to change. Too many Christians only, want, only ever want to pray on their feet. But if we want to see real change happen, we have to get down and dirty and begin to pray like we've never ever prayed before. If we want to see God do something great in Lytham and the surrounding areas, it's going to take a group of people to dare to believe and begin to pray when it becomes inconvenient. Nothing is ever given to you. Sometimes there is sacrifice involved, not just with our praise, because sometimes we have to bring a sacrifice of praise. Not every week do I go to church and feel like worshipping God. I'm sure it's the same for you. There is stuff that goes on in our lives where we don't necessarily feel like worshipping God. That's where sometimes we have to bring a sacrifice of praise. And in the same way as we bring a sacrifice of praise, there is something about bringing a sacrifice of prayer. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, we did, um, we did 12, hours pr- 12 hour prayer for our church and also for the Ukraine. And you know what the busiest time of the day was? Seven o'clock in the morning. Because I challenged people and I said, you know what, if you are serious about seeing change in our area, you need to get up early. Some of us, are, we're lazy. As, as, a, as a people, we are incredibly lazy people. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We're very, very, we, we, we don't like, I don't go to the gym because, well, you can tell. Look at the state of me. I don't go to the gym because I'm, I'm downright lazy. I can't be bothered to go and get hot and sweaty in there. It's, it's too much hard work for me. I'd much rather sit and watch Netflix. It's not right. It's not good. But it's the fact. And that's how we are. We're fallen people. But I believe that prayer is, the power of God is released through our prayer. Luke 22 verses 41 to, uh, to 43. It reads like this. It says these words. It says, he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed this is Jesus father if you are willing please take this cup of suffering away from me yet I want your will to be done not mine then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him this is just before Jesus went to the cross He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he goes to a place, a quiet place, about a stone's throw away. Depends how far you can throw a stone. And he begins to pray. And then he says these words, not my will, 
but your will be done. Then we know what happens. Jesus goes to the cross. And in a couple of weeks' time, we will be celebrating the death of Jesus. Because without the death of Jesus, there's no resurrection. And without the resurrection, there's no church. So we have to celebrate the death. And in a couple of weeks' time, we will celebrate the death of Jesus. When Jesus died, let me tell you, after he had prayed that prayer, stuff happened. There was the power of God that was released in a way that I believe has never ever been seen since. All because of one man's prayer. Jesus was fully man. He was fully man. He was also fully God. In the moment that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was fully man. And he prayed a prayer because he knew what was coming. And he prayed a prayer, God, I don't want this. To, I don't want this. But if it's not my will, about it, this isn't about me. This isn't about my feelings. This isn't about how I want to get through the next kind of couple of years of my life. No, not my will, but your will be done. And he hangs on a cross. And then the power of God is released. How do I know the power of God was released? Well, you only just have to read it. Four things happened when he, after he prayed that prayer. The first thing is this, is that the sun stopped shining. That's, that's pretty powerful. You can read it. He prayed a prayer, not my will, but your will be done. You see, prayer unlocks the power of God. The sun stopped shining. The second thing is this, is that graves opened and it says that the saints walked out. Dead men began to rise from their graves, all because of one prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. The third thing is this. It says that there was an earthquake that shook so hard that rocks split in two. All because of one prayer. The power of God was released. The fourth thing is this, is that it says, and many of you will know this bit, that the veil of the curtain in the temple was torn in two, top to bottom, all because of one prayer. Don't tell me that prayers aren't powerful. You see, when we begin to pray, God releases something of his power. And I believe that for each one of us is that a key to unlocking not only the presence of God, but the power of God is that we need to begin to pray like never ever before. If we can't pray for the common cold to be healed, we can't pray for the cancer to be healed. We have to be able to pray and say, God, in the small things, we need you. God, in the big things, we need you. My time is gone. I need to go quick. The third thing is this, is that prophecy unlocks the purposes of God. Prophecy unlocks the purposes of God. I believe that each and every person in this room is called to be a prophetic person. You see, I spoke before about words being um, important, that I believe there is a gift of prophecy. I'm not going to go into that today, but there, you know, we can go and have a look in Ephesians 4 and the Ephesians 4 gifting. Uh, I actually believe that the, the church, any church should be built on two giftings, both of the prophet and the apostle. That's what the Bible says. And, and I believe that each church has to have a prophetic influence into their, into their world and into their lives. It's true. But I believe that each and every person can be a prophetic person. You see, what you speak out can speak into the darkness. That's you being prophetic. It's you speaking out God's word. Some of you in this room need to begin to speak out God's word in a way that you've never ever spoken it out before because in it, God will begin to change things. 
You're seeing things that aren't already there as, as if they were. At the beginning of this year, I gave to our church... Every single year at the beginning of our church, we give, I, I, I spend two weeks looking at vision because I believe that vision is, in, is so important to building local church. The Bible says without vision, people perish. If you haven't got any vision, churches die. You have to have vision. And vision is so, so important. And uh, I, speak, I speak into stuff that is not yet happening. Because I believe that as, as I speak it out, in the heavenly realm, something is beginning to happen. That God is beginning to change stuff. So I believe that as we prophesy, it unlocks, it's a key that unlocks the purposes of God. You know, we often hear, um, I don't know what the purpose is for my life. How many people have heard that? You know, you, you speak to people, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, they come into church, I don't know what my role is in church. I've had this conversation so many times with people in my church where people have said to me, well, I don't, I don't really know what to do. You know, first things first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That way around. Anyway, um, uh, and love your neighbour as yourself. That's the, that's the best thing you can do. If that's all you do, I do believe also there's a purpose for every Christian to go into all the world preaching the gospel, baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We haven't got time to go into that this morning, but when it says go into all the world, it doesn't necessarily mean the world. Your world might just be the school that you go to. The world for you might just be the coffee shop that you go and sit in. I don't know. But anyway, we haven't got time to go into that either this morning. So there's two purposes straight away. Love God, love people and tell people about Jesus. There's three purposes straight away. But then you come into church and people go, well, what am I supposed to be doing? And I have a, a kind of six bullet point thing that I sit down with every person and speak to them about. And I'll say this. So Ruth, you come to me and you go, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. So the first thing I'll say is, is what do you like to do? What do you like to do? You like to sing. There you go. Second thing is, are you good at it? Well, that's all right then. Like a bit of confidence. What frustrates you? You may look around church and you may see... St- <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll stop that bit now. I know what it's like. What frustrates you? And you can look around church and you can look at all the different things that are going on in church and you may see something that you're really good at you may see something that you actually like to do, but, it, it, uh, but you're not involved in it yet because it might frustrate you. Actually, you, what, what do other people see in you? What do other people notice in you that you may be really, really good at? What comes easy to you that others find hard? You see, to me, <laughs> to, to, to me, I hate process. Courtney will, la- Courtney will tell you, I hate I sit in meetings. My life revolves around meetings these days. Just because of the way church is now, I don't kind of necessarily get involved in day-to-day pastoral care. We've got a guy at the church who we employ to look after people. And we put a big emphasis on our connect groups. So all I do is spend my time talking to leaders all the time. And leaders are weird people. Because they're all flipping control freaks. And, uh, and, and I sit in meetings, and you've had Luke here, you've had Luke here, of course you have. So Luke, my, my, my kind of associate, the guy who kind of I lean on a lot, Luke Andrews, right? Is this being recorded? Oh, no. All right, we can't put this out now. He's a lovely lad. <laughs> so Luke, 
is my Mr. Process Man. He absolutely, you give him a chart and he's as happy as Larry. Isn't that right? He absolutely flipping loves them. And it does my head in. I can't deal with them. And he, he sits there and he, he likes to go over. We just did a thing at our church at NCD. Have you, have you ever done NCD here? No. So I, I do something that most, most pastors don't do. All right? Uh, don't tell them. I do something that most, in fact, 99% of pastors would not do what I do. But I do it every year because I think it's healthy. And because I'm pretty secure in who I am, I think. Uh, I, all, all my leaders, I have 65, 70 leaders. And we get them all in a room together. You guys have been to one of our leaders' events. And we sit there and I give them a questionnaire of 80 questions about the church, about the leadership, about everything. And it's anonymous. And I say to them, right, I want you to be totally honest with us. Tell me what you think of our church. Because if my leaders don't like me, if, if the leaders don't like our church, we are, we are in a really bad spot. And what we have to do is we sit down and we go through everything and we, we look at it. Now, we had, we had all the information come back a couple of weeks ago. Oh, and Luke, he was absolutely loving life. He couldn't get enough. He was like, oh, look at all this. I couldn't care less. He's there loving life with all, these, with all these jolly charts. And we need those people in our lives. And I love Luke with all my heart. Um, but we, we have to find things that we are good at and then begin to go into it. You see, every single person in this room has purpose. Every single person has the, in this room has a destiny. Every single person has this room. There is nothing that cannot be covered, I believe, that can't be covered in this room right now. Everybody, whether you are a big church or whether you're a relatively small church, everybody can play their part in, in, in helping church grow, in helping church become everything that it needs to be. So don't tell me that you, ha you, you can't find a role in a local church. You have a role. You can have a role and you can be part of it. And I believe that sometimes, it's, I'm sorry to say this, but it's down to the leader to identify and maybe prophesy into it and go, do you know what? This can unlock something in your life. Has to be. We have to look out for each other and begin to speak into it. The fifth thing is this, is that partnership unlocks the people of God. From the beginning of time, I'm going really quick because we've got to finish. From the very beginning of time, partnership has been right at the very heart of God. From, right from the very beginning of time. You go back to Genesis, go back to Genesis 1, chapter 23, uh, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 1, verse 26. And it says these words, it says, then God said, let one word, us. Let us make man in our image. Right at the very beginning of time, God was there with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in synergy, in partnership together. And it hasn't stopped and it will never stop. That is why... COVID was so, so bad for so many people. It wasn't the disease. It was being out of partnership with people. It was, it was being out of relationship with people. Because you and me were born to be in relationship. We were born to be in relationship with each other. We were born to be in relationship with God. There is something about when we understand partnership and what partnership brings, it unlocks the people of God. The reason that John this morning is at the 
front saying, hey, we need people to help make those wardrobes is because he understands that he can't do it all. He needs people around him. You need people around you. And when the the family of God understands that we are better together than against each other, it will work so much better. The church of Jesus Christ for far too long has been brilliant at shooting its, its own. We're brilliant at it. If you ever want if you ever want to be assassinated go to church. Because the first time that you mess up, there will be people that will criticise straight away. I don't believe that's the word of God. I don't believe that that's what Jesus intended or God even wants. I will say this, is that when stuff happens, does stuff need to be addressed? Absolutely. But it should never ever be done from a place of anger. It should always be done from a place of grace and love. All the time. And we have to be a people that understand that partnership unlocks the people of God. I wrote this down. It is impossible to know the full blessing of God in our lives, in our family, in our church, unless we understand that we need to be in relationship with each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we're not in relationship, when there are skits and schisms, when there's stuff going on behind the scenes, where people are talking about each other, how can God bless that? He even says it in the word of God. Where there is unity, God he command, listen, he doesn't just say it, he commands it. He says, it is so. So if you want the blessing of God on your life, if you want the blessing of God on your church, if you want the blessing of God on your family, hey, live in unity. Live in unity. Does it mean that sometimes that we get stuff wrong? Absolutely. Does it mean sometimes that things go wrong and people slip up and mistakes are made? Absolutely. But we need to have enough grace in the place to be able to say, hey, do you know what? If you fall down like Chumbawamba, I pick myself back up again. Some of you know that song. Others of you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. Some of you are going, oh, yes, I remember that song. What a great song that was. The fifth thing is this. I could have gone on there about partnership, but I won't bother. The fifth thing is this, and with this I'm going to close. And then, Joe, you know that last song we sang? What was it? Where's that from? I know it's from your iPad, but whereabouts? (laughs) Don't worry, it's fine. Can we sing it again? Can you come up now? Give Joe a round of applause. I love Joe. You know you're getting old. I don't want to be rude when you've got your glasses around your thing on this piece of string. Do you know what I mean? In case you lose them. Do you know what I mean? You're going around going, where's my glasses? That's why. That's why. Lovely. It's all right. I wouldn't mind, but you're younger than me. Yeah. No, we have. We've had a conversation before. Yeah, you are. You're wearing a lot better than me. The fifth thing is this, is that position unlocks the place of God. Position unlocks the place of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And with this, I'm going to close very, very quickly. It's it's 10 verses, but you will understand why I want to read it all. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, and it reads like this. Once You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the um, 
powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at at the world in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our own sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, listen to me now, and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you, listen, by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Listen to me. Point number five is position unlocks the place of God. The key to unlock where God sits, where God reveals himself, where God commands from, there is a position. And in that particular scripture, the Bible says is that we are all sinners. We've all done stuff wrong. But then it says, through God's grace and God's mercy, he has given you a position. And that position is not below, is not above, but seated with Christ. When you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that when we are Christians... That God has given us a position where we sit alongside him in heavenly places. It takes us right the way back to the first scripture that I read. That the king takes the servant and puts the robes on him and said, I give you the keys to the house. I give you the keys to the kingdom of God. It's all yours. It always has been yours. All you needed was the key. The key is there. The key has been unlocked. The door is open. Come and sit down and be with me. Why? Because there is praise that unlocks the power, the presence, the person, the personality, everything of God because of the key that has been given. So we can sit here this morning, physically, in a relatively small building in the middle of Lytham St. Anne's, on a beautiful sunny day, knowing that actually, in a spiritual sense, we're not sitting here at all. We're sitting next to King Jesus himself. And because of that, it unlocks something of the place of God. You know, Christ's position 
is in heavenly realms. That's what it says. Christ's position. He sits in heavenly realms. When you sit in heavenly realms, you are above all things, as we were singing. You are above everything. Listen to me. Where has Christ seated you this morning? He has seated you above all things. So we look from a place and a perspective of not looking at situations, but from, a situa- from, but from a place of looking down on our situations. He has seated you with him in heavenly places. We live from a place of rest because we should always live from a place of rest. That's a whole different thing. Why did, why did, God, why did God rest? What, why did he rest? Because God's God. He didn't need to rest. But he did because he was showing us the example that actually we rule, we live from a place of rest. Sunday is the first day of the week. So today is a day of rest. Unless you're a pastor. Then Monday is a day of rest. Praise God. Where tomorrow I will be playing golf. Thank you, Jesus. We live from a place of rest, but we also hear me right, live from a place of rule. We live from a place of rest, but we live from a place of rule. Why? Because he's seated you with heavenly places. You've been seated with Christ. So this morning, we can live, we can live in the knowledge that praise unlocks the presence of God. Prayer unlocks the power of God. Prophecy unlocks the purposes of God. Partnership unlocks the people of God. And position unlocks the place of God. And if you can't give God some praise right now, I don't know what will get you to give God some praise. So let's give God some praise. Come on. You're worthy. So we're going to finish. You can stand up, sir. Yeah. You're with me. You're already there. You're with me. You're with me. We're going to stand. And some of you this morning don't necessarily, you came into this place not necessarily feeling like worshipping God. That's okay. I understand that. I get it. Because sometimes situations and circumstances can be one where we, we don't feel like it. But I want you to rise above feelings this morning. And just for a moment, I want us to begin to praise and worship God. And maybe begin in your own way to begin to speak into the darkness of the situations that you face. Maybe this morning that there is stuff going on in your world and you need God to break in. You need the kingdom of God to break in. Well, I've just given you five keys there this morning that will help you unlock the kingdom of God in your life and in your situation. So why don't you take one of them this morning and begin to worship him and begin to speak into it. Because we live from a place of rule. We live from a place of rule this morning where we are seated in heavenly places. Hey, just before we sing, I want you to do something for me. I want everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. I want everyone to put their hands out in front of them if you feel comfortable, as if you're going to receive a present. And we're going to pray. Father God, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you will breathe in this room. God, I pray that you will speak in this room in a way that you haven't spoken maybe for years. And that God right now, I pray for every single person. 
for every single family, for every single situation that is represented in this room right now. And I pray, oh, Holy Spirit, come. God, that you will breathe in a way that you haven't breathed before. Speak to people's hearts this morning, oh God. And I pray that a key will unlock something of the kingdom of God in people's lives. God, we give you all the glory. God, we give you all the honor. God, we give you everything that we are. Father, we put it on you this morning and we say hallelujah, which just means God be praised. God, we praise you this morning. God, we honor you this morning. God, we give you your rightful place in this place. Above any person or personality, oh God, we give you the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you.